Hello and welcome to Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. I am Mike Casaza back second time this week with Chris Anderson. Chris, spring game, Saturday, 1 o'clock. First time in two years we've had one of these things. Didn't have one last year, just two spring practices. Um, seen some live football this year? I have, you have, but been into a couple practices. Seen some live good-on-good scrimmages. Saturday, maybe we'll see more of the same. We'll, we'll talk a lot about who and what we'll watch, maybe even who and what we won't see. What is the format going to be on Saturday? Do we even know this yet? I don't think we've actually been told exactly what it was. I mean, you know, it, usually it's it's a game and you do this, you play quarters and the the reserves, you know, first, 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 ones versus twos or ones versus ones and twos versus twos, twos versus ones, whatever. And, flip back and forth on series, but I don't, some of the things that have been said kind of indicate that maybe it won't be a full on game or maybe it'll be like a a half and then some drills. Uh, It has not been made clear as of this recording. We're recording this Tuesday. Uh, Maybe it'll be clear before this, this uh, podcast goes up, but I I don't know. I, I think, I'm curious because even the um, uh, email that we received from WVU about press box and media stuff and all that, it says that, uh, you know, the final game book, if available based on game format, a game book will be completed. Um, So even that kind of indicates that maybe like the statistics based on game format is in there too. So who knows? Are we getting a full game? Are we getting... You know, or is that just referring to the strange scoring things that we saw, we've seen before about stops and interceptions and all those things counting for points? I'm not sure, but it's live football and and, and everybody's going to get to see it. So I think uh, (laughs) I think that's really all we can take up from it. I should add, it'll be on Big 12 now, which is the ESPN plus platform for the Big 12. So that's cool. One o'clock. You can stream it if you want to. You can watch it later. That's the cool thing about the streaming service. You can make it fit your schedule two years ago it was a big deal the spring game that was um that was neil brown's pie piper moment i think where he kind of got out in the spring they had the whole big uniform reveal yeah get to know the new guy and they had a pretty coordinated game um it is the gold blue game so game is involved there i imagine we'll see some sort of a competition in the sense that you'll see an offense run snaps against a defense I do think you'll probably see something that, like within the parameters of like a, a structured practice, which they'll warm up, they'll do some special team stuff, and then they'll go one on one, two on two, probably rotate out. I think, I think, I mean, but you may also see mix ones and twos from the gold team against mix ones and twos in the blue team. I don't know if you'll have like a mix of offense and defense that's gold and blue. You know, I don't think the gold team will have an offense and defense team, and the blue team will have an offense and defense team. I think you're going to see that split offense defense. Um, but who knows? But the fact that they're not so clear on this maybe isn't that big of a deal. I think that people just be happy to watch it and see what's going on here because to our first point, there's been, there's been a lot written and there's been certainly a lot said about spring football so far. They've been very good about giving us coaches, assistant coaches, even players, Neil Brown a few times already. And you can ask and you can even sometimes look at and then ask about what's going on. I still get the idea that like we just we knew a lot of stuff going in that that was going to happen, which is what's happened. 
we joke that the Devil Washington news is the big headline. There's probably some more competition for that now, but my sense also is that they've been really chill about praise and hyperbole and expectations. Let's just wait for the games to see before we talk about how good a player or a position will be. Um, yes, this is happening and it's positive right now, but it doesn't mean anything until the fall. And yes, our defense could be good, but a lot has to happen. Uh, they're they're not putting the cart in front of the horse here. Um, maybe that changes on Saturday where people th- see things and they're excited about it again, but maybe that's just the 15th practice and it's just the conclusion of this period, which has been, I think, purposely, but maybe even productively kind of low-key. How many snaps or how many first teamers do you think? So out of 22, we'll say offensive defense. How many first teamers do you think will play extensive snaps on Saturday? Most. Most? I think so, because I'm not sure how many. Like, Letty Brown doesn't need to get a whole lot of action, but he scrimmaged Saturday. He didn't scrimmage the Saturday before. So I'm not sure that there's like a, a plan where if you're good, you're not going I'm also not sure how many of the 22 don't need it. Like, Letty Brown's probably one. And then on defense, you'd say, like, all right, Dante Stills probably doesn't need a whole lot of, like, spring game action, right? You don't want to get him getting rolled up or hyperextended or anything like that. But beyond that, like, Josh Chandler's been around for a while, but he had not been playing Mike. I'd like him to, like, soak up as many reps at Mike. You know, Nick Troy Fortune's been around. Don't want him getting hurt or rolled up or whatever. But that's not really, like, a high-risk position. And, by the way, he needs to be good. Sean Mahone's been out. Will he be back? I don't know. Uh, Alonzo Adai has played a lot. He Maybe he doesn't need to, but they just don't have a lot of people who are going to be in that 22 who have no business practicing. They need they, they got to get guys who just got to get through the 15 practices. But the funny thing is, 14's enough practices, right? Like, that's yeah. one thing the coach always said. Like, what's the 15th really mean? Um, you you might see some curtailed action there for sure. What do you think? I I'm with you because I think – it, I'm trying to remember the exact quote. I was trying to look it up as I, right after I asked that question. But Neil Brown said something about this past Saturday's uh, scrimmage that you saw in person, that that was kind of like the last big game action. Like that was the biggest one of the spring. He kind of indicated that that was like the most reps, the most game-like atmosphere that – this team might have all spring. And that, again, that's why we're trying to figure out what exactly is Saturday going to look like, how many guys are going to be out there. Cause I, you know, we've seen in the past where guys that even just, Oh, Hey, they're a little sore. They're going to sit out. Um, but I'm with you. I don't know how many people are in that Letty Brown role, uh, you know, that are definitive starters that already have a ton of reps that, you know, you just don't want to put out there because I think a lot of those guys need to get reps. They're going to be taking on slightly bigger roles than maybe they had last year. Um, I thought of something just now that maybe this is this is something you've mentioned kind of in in passing before or or different scenarios. But let's say they don't want to have Jared Diggy take a ton of snaps. Do they put Garrett Green with the first team offense, or do they just take the whole first team offense out? I'm waving my arms on office now going, no, no, they're not going to do this. They're <laughs> yeah, not going to okay. do this. That's right. what I'm thinking. Like, they're not, they're not going to put Garrett Green out there with the first-team offense, right? Uh, now, so is gold offense and blue defense, or is gold a mix of offense and defense and blue is a mix of offense and defense? I have no idea. That's like, what I'm saying. I, <laughs> so it could be either, right? Um, yeah. I, look, here's what you – let's just talk about quarterbacks. Let's get into that because we're going to have to. Um, bowl game, I was probably mistaken here, but I thought that playing Kendall – 
was teeming with some trepidation that maybe if Green came in, you were going to start a fire that you would not be able to put out until the following fall. Because if he comes in and does well, you have a full-blown five-alarm quarterback controversy. I'm not saying that you avoid that by playing Kendall, but it just seemed like that was the lesser risk there. And ultimately it worked. So I think I might've been mistaken there. And we've come to since find out, or we've come to since been told, um, green wasn't ready. And maybe that's indicative of, of his snap usage last year. Uh, I forget what it was. 20 snaps in the first game, one snap in the final nine. So maybe that's it. If you apply my same principle to the spring now, if you, cause green's closer now, He's closer. That's what everybody said, that he's got ups and downs, but he has some ups, and he has some wow plays and some wow moments that don't look like what Daigie can do. If he starts spinning balls to Bryce Ford Wheaton and Sam James and Isaiah Esdale, and all of a sudden the offensive line's humming and huffing and puffing and knocking guys over, and they march up and down the field against what I think is going to be a pretty good defense, you have started a full-blown fire <laughs> that you're not going to put out until fall camp. Um, I don't know that that's the best thing that they can do, because I think that they really like... I think they're comfortable with rolling with Daigie. And if you got to use or if you can use green, sure. But I don't think they want to or can feature green. Um, and I'm not saying that they capitulate to the the wills of the public, but certainly if, if green gives them something to think about for a few weeks and a few months, that's quite an impression to leave on them too. I, I And I just think by nature, you're not going to see the full Garrett green. Like he does different stuff. Like there are packages and plays and ideas designed specifically for him. I'd be shocked if you saw a lot of that. You might see him run draws and bootlegs and things like that, or him being mobile and break the pocket, but like specific stuff that's designed for him to come in and be a different player and a difference maker. Be stunned if you saw anything like that. So that's, oh. sorry, that's, that's one of the first things I want to see on Saturday. Cause Brown said the other day that they, they took off the, the green Jersey, which means no contact. Uh, and the quarterbacks almost always wear uh, they took the green jersey off him so that he could run those plays, so that he could run those draws and those rollouts, those those naked bootlegs, as Neil Brown called them, and, <laughs> and and get hit and make plays. And not only for his, well, you know, for, for him to get better, because that's what he does well, so they let him do his thing, but also to force the defense to have to learn to how to stop that because they're going to play quarterbacks like that. Mm-hmm. But then he also said, we promised him we'd do that once. So is that it? It's like uh, in the spring game, is he going to be, you know, in in a green jersey and like thud only or two hand touch, you know, you know, no co- no contact. That stood out to me. That's it's me. that would be disappointing because yeah. I think it, it's it's hard to I understand the risks of all that, but if that is his game, running, getting out, making plays, making guys miss in in space, it's got to be able to do it. Sometimes you, you can't you can't keep him packed in, you know foam popcorn forever gotta let him gotta let him let garrett green cook as they say and and see see what he can do and see if that's what the offense needs to do yeah this is not universal but i think a lot of coaches will tell you that they they'll put four scrimmage situations into a into a spring the first one is just kind of like cobwebs rust let's get rid of that we'll run around second one's a little bit more formative the third one is your big note-taking opportunity where they're used to this it's a routine now you advance in the first to the second. You know what it's like. And the second to third, your your roster and your your development is progressed where you're putting guys in spots and they're doing things that you've learned and instructed. So that's already happened. And then there's the spring game. For some, it's it's an institution. It's a big deal and you make it happen. For others, 
it's just the final practice and you're you're kind of like gearing down a little bit and going into the weight room. Um, I, I think you're going to see more of that for West Virginia. I think they've had their big, big scrimmage, their big note-taking moment. Not to say it's purposeless, but I think that the stuff that they want to put on film. By the way, we did not see a lot of the Garrett Green stuff that's being discussed. We saw a couple of him, a couple of uh, plays where he ran, designed, and uh, ad lib a little bit. But like the nakeds and the things like that, and the stuff that was like him running RPO or read option stuff. I don't think we saw any of that. And if we did, it was maybe once or twice. So the stuff that is specific to Green was when we were out of there. But it happened, and they talked about it, and they liked it, and they didn't like it, but. I'm not sure how much of that you'll see, and I think that he'll probably be in yellow. Is there anything, knowing that the limitations will likely face, or that the quarterbacks will likely face, what can, can they show you anything this spring that might, you know, either give you a, a more positive outlook for the fall or be an alarm bell? Yeah, I want to see him shoot the moon. I want to see if they can stretch the field. That's something that has to happen. Like his average depth of target was pretty low last year. And I think some of that is because he didn't have great time and he wasn't comfortable in the pocket. And I think the run game was pretty predictable. And if, you know, they're not going to trick teams or make teams think about different things, you can turn up the pressure. Uh, You could overwhelm an offensive line just under like organics and not have to do anything too crazy. But also makes it easy to cover everything underneath because, you know, you're not worried about anybody getting behind your corners and safeties if they don't have the time. And you can set on stuff and squeeze her out to make that better. But I do think their line will be better and their running game should be better. Can he stretch the field? And can they design ways for him to stretch the field? I don't know what that is. That's something that Parker's been good at. We've been over that. He's pretty good at getting guys vertical. We saw some of that last year. But can they do that? And, and will it be something that they're willing to put on the field? We'll see. But I want to see if he can stretch it. And then, you know, they they need to move him. They need to like they've done that in all the drills we've seen in the scrimmage stuff. They've moved the pocket. They've rolled him out. They've had him sprint to a side. And I think some of that is just to get his feet moving and get him accustomed to, you know, playing with his feet, not necessarily his arm. And I wrote about this and Brown talked about this, but like all their drills are coordinated. So it's a different skill. It's an arm angle. It's a release point. It's footwork. It's steps. It's running. It's moving and things like that that always add up and you get a total package eventually. And this is kind of the time to see it. So can they roll out? Can they do sprint outs? Can they do bootlegs? I'm not sure you'll see him bootlegging a lot. Um, will they have him handling RPO and will they have him keeping and running on a replay? I don't know, but like, I do think you have to give him something that actually makes him, you know, have a productive day. I don't think it has to impress fans. I don't think Jared Daigie cares about that. If he gets booed or cheered, if people are chewing on chicken wings later, talk about how good or bad he was. I'm not sure that bothers him too much. But I think everybody in that locker room would feel a lot better if he had just had a good day that looked a lot like the 14 before it. And that probably means doing stuff that they've been talking about, which is designed to make him a more mobile player. So accuracy, deep balls, that's fine. I think he's been accurate. He's been betrayed on deep balls. He hasn't been great on deep balls. But the big thing has been his mobility and his mechanics. Can they actually show that that's been improved? That's probably something to keep an eye on. I'm with you. I think there you're asking. I think the biggest thing you started off with there was the deep ball. I want to see it. And and that's, this is a perfect place to, to sample that. That's a, that's a something you can see without putting him at risk of getting hurt. Um, it's something that, you, you know, it's a fun exercise because, you know, obviously the, the deep passes are typically, uh, you know, a lower percentage success rate. So why not try it in practice? Why not try it in the spring game? See if he can just 
be accurate with it if he can get it there and try to force those receivers to go up there and and win those 50-50 balls. And we want to see that as well. So I do think it's important that that he kind of let lets it loose in this spring game for however many snaps that, that we're allowed to see him in. And by the way, cornerback needs help, right? Mm-hmm. At least one yeah. guy is going to need to be targeted a couple times. I would give that a shot. And there's ways to be productive and, and to be fun in this too. And I think we're probably watering it down a little bit, but like, I'm just conditioned to not expect a lot from these things. I do think there's a lot to look at besides just plays too. Um, I'm I'm very interested. We're talking about rosters and what's gold, what's blue. Is it just offensive versus defense? Is it a mix of each? I don't know. But how does that impact your starting offensive line, for example? Because I think we have a pretty good idea, at least for one more day, what the starting offensive line will be. It'll be Brandon Yates, James Committer, Zach Frazier. And then I'm guessing Jordan White, Doug Nestor. It could also be... Doug Nestor, Parker Moore. Nestor seems to be the flip guy, but um, would you infer anything from a starting offensive line, or is it going to depend solely on how they constitute these rosters? Not really, because I think you've mentioned the the offensive line and who's been out there. I think for the most part, it seems pretty clear kind of who's involved in, in, in the top eight, I guess, seven or eight. And it seems pretty obvious on that right-hand side that they are trying to figure something out with Parker Moore, you know, guard tackle, Nestor, guard tackle, and Jordan White, who, you know, we haven't actually seen him in game action yet, but has received a lot of praise from the coaching staff, from his work with the scout team, from his work in practice, and so far this spring. And he, I believe, wasn't it this past Saturday where he was on that quote-unquote first team offensive Mm -hmm. line? And I think Nestor was a tackle that time. And then maybe the week before, Nestor was a guard and Moore was a tackle. So I think they're trying to figure something out with those three for those two spots. And I might take a little something from who walks out there for the first snap between those three for those two spots. And and, and but I'll I'll pay just as much attention to how they rotate and who ends up where. Cause I don't think if one of them ends up working with the second team. That doesn't concern me. You know, like like this past Saturday when Moore was working with the second team, that didn't say, oh, he's a second teamer now. He lost that starting job. No, that just tells me that they're trying out the Jordan White-Doug Nestor combination to see how that works. And Moore, you know, was just the odd man out in that combination. So I think, you know, you could see Jordan White and Parker Moore or Doug Nestor and Parker Moore or, uh, again, Jordan White and Doug Nestor. So I think that's... That's something I really want to watch on that right-hand side of the line. And you mentioned this to me before we got on the podcast, the, the talk of maybe Nestor trying things out on the left side as well. So uh, and th- that might not be the spring, maybe in the summer. But that's I feel like there's more movement coming on this offensive line than maybe we are prepared for. So I will pay a little bit of attention to how they come out. You are – Correct here. I think this is the right, right way to look at it because what they've done again, and you've been on this in the very beginning, they don't do right tackle, left tackle, right guard, left guard. They want people on the right side to be right side. Now they have guys who can play, like they think the committer can play left guard, left tackle, right guard. And they're not worried about that. And they think that Frazier could play left guard, right guard, as well as center. Um, that's advanced level stuff, which is impressive for Frazier. But most of them want to have guys left side, right side. I think your right side is worth looking at for another reason, too, because they did not know what they had in Nestor. So they put him at guard for a couple of practices and at tackle for a couple of practices. 
We're past that now. So I think where they put him Saturday is an indication of what they think is best, and they want to take that for a spin. So if he's the right guard, that means that they like, for example, Nestor Moore on the right side. If he's the right tackle, that probably means they like White Nestor on the right side. I do think it's a big day and a big time for Brandon Yates because they're going to play Nestor on the left side. Um, and again, if he is so good and he's one of your five best, is he best on the right side? I think a lot of people would tell you that you want to have your talent on the left side of your lot of scrimmage. Um, it's just because the way the quarterback moves, hands it off, the way the pressure comes, blind side, everything like that. There's a lot of reason you want to have your talent on the left side. And if he's one of your best five, if he's one of your best two, do you give him a spin at left guard, left tackle in the fall? They're going to. They haven't done it yet because they want to see what they have with him on the right side. They like Brandon Yates. But if Yates isn't getting it done and their collective five is better with him, Nestor, on the left side, that's going to happen. Because they're thinking about Wyatt Milam already. <laughs> like, they're thinking about this guy who was one of the best five offensive tackles in the country for a long, long time and who they just said has the genetics to play as a true freshman. Where would you put him? You're not putting him on the left side as a true freshman. You're putting him on the right side. He's a tackle. He's not a guard. So that conversation is going to happen in the fall. And if Nestor is that good and he's on your left side, now your right side is right side is reshaped a little bit. It could be Milam at right tackle. It could also be White at guard and Moore at tackle too. So um, all this talk about the right side and Nestor, it doesn't necessarily seem to involve Brandon Yates. But darn if he's not involved in this conversation, right? I'm with you. Uh, I think the the idea of moving Nestor to the left side is pretty curious. Um, it's especially with you know the the it, it this kind of sampling this testing this whatever happening in the summer just because the you're so limited in what you can do in the summer i mean mm-hmm. you, you can do more than you used to be able to do but you're still not out there with the coaching staff going through drills and working 11 on 11 all summer long like that's not happening so if you're sampling this in the summer you're really not getting a good look at this until fall camp which is only a couple weeks before, you know, a few weeks before the start of the season. So the fact that that's a possibility, it makes me raise an eyebrow about Brandon Yates. It makes me raise an eyebrow positively about the Jordan White Parker Moore thing and maybe somebody else too, you know, that, that they feel confident enough like, hey, man, we got, we, we got some starters over here that might end up being a backup if we keep Nestor over here. So let's try Nestor on the left side. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know which way you take that, and I don't think we will know which way to take that until they actually try it out, until we actually get to see it in person. I don't want to make this sound like a white-knuckle, hand-wringing thing. This is positive. Yes, 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 yes. Like, this is not a conversation you had a year ago, never mind two years ago. Like, this is good for the program. It's good for the offense. And listen, if you're if you're going to have a conversation about eight or nine or ten people in the five spots— you want to be in that spot. You work hard to be in that spot, and they're there. So at the very least, they get to showcase that a little bit Saturday. We may not have outcomes that we want. It's going to be what they want because they're getting another day to look at this. And a competition, like in front of people and fans and everything, that should be good too. Uh, we'll go over some individual stuff on offense, but like storyline stuff. I think offensive line's a big one, obviously. Quarterback, always a big one. We've been over that. Defensively, listen, I think there's, there's an idea that the defense will slip this season, and I think that's fair. You lose the Big 12 Defensive Lineman of the Year, the Big 12 Newcomer of the Year, uh, Pro Football Focus All-American, and a starting cornerback from a very, very good defense. And listen, it's hard to get up to the top, and when you lose parts, it's harder to stay there. So 
can they stay number one in pass defense? Can they stay number, I forget what the numbers were, four in total defense, top 30 in the rush defense? Unlikely. Sorry, but unlikely. That said, seven starters back. You're putting Akeem Mesidor in the starting lineup. I think a lot of people feel very good about Scotty Young at Spear. We talked about Charles Woods at cornerback. There's a way to have a sound, solid, successful starting 11 and some depth. I don't think they have as much depth as they want yet, but they can fix that. And if you're not number one in the past country in the country in past events, but you're number five, and if you're not number four in total defense, but you're number ten, you can still be pretty good, right? Yeah. Um, your, your outlook based on what you've seen so far, I think people are coming around to the fact that it's not "woe is me," it's "whoa, they actually have a chance here to be good again." This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. I think, again, the Messador thing, when we talked about it the other day, I, I think I was talking about the position changes that were going on this spring for West Virginia, some bigger than others. And I mentioned, I think I used the term uh, a dice roll, a major gamble or something with Messador moving inside. And people took that to mean, you know, oh, the staff's screwing up. I don't think so. I think the move is you want your best guys out there. And it certainly seems like Messador is one of the three, maybe four best guys, uh, best defensive linemen on this team. And you have to find a way to get him in there. And you you hopped into that thread and, and rightfully pointed out that he's not going to play, quote-unquote, nose guard. He's not playing you know zero technique directly over the center. He's going to play shaded to the right or shaded to the left the same way that Darius Stills did. Mm-hmm. He is still going to be an impact player in that pass rush. And he played... Most of his snaps on the edge, but not like I just don't think I don't think he's limited to that. I think he can be strong enough. I think he's obviously he's put on, I think they said 15, 20 pounds since last year. So he he's put in the work in the offseason. I think he's strong enough to play on the interior and still make a difference. So that I don't want to say he's gonna what do you you know, hey, hey, he's gonna fill in for 80% of Darius Stills' production. You got to be happy about that. If he can do that, that'd be great. And if you're getting 80% there, and again, I feel really good about Woods as the the transfer corner. Again, we're not going to see him this spring. We did see him this spring because he was playing actual season uh, for FCS spring football. But I think he can give you 80-90% of what Drayshon Miller uh, did, maybe more. And it's and Scotty Young has already proven himself that he can be an adequate spear now he's getting a lot of hype from the coaching staff this spring i don't want to jump on that hype train just yet uh but 
he did well in his one performance. Granted, that was against Army, and Army is not the type of team that West Virginia is going to play routinely. Uh, you know, a, a typical opponent, typical style offense. So we'll see. But I think that the replacements that there that are in place, and Josh Chandler Samito moving over to Mike in place of Tony Fields, are more than adequate. Let's put it that way. And I think if you can get 80 to 90% from all those guys of the production that they're replacing, uh, West Virginia is going to be just fine on defense. Red flag about Mesidor. Uh-oh. We've not seen a true freshman defensive lineman play as well as he has in a long time, correct? Mm-hmm. Right. When's the last time that guy did it again as a sophomore? Uh. Tough, okay? Um, and that's not because I believe in sophomore slumps, but I just think that, like, his quantity of snaps is going to go up so much this year that the quality may also be affected. Number one, number two, pardon the analogy here, but do you see Shibway Colbert potential with Dante Stills and Mesador playing essentially the same position in the interior? No, I'm, really, not, saying, I'm not saying it I, takes up too much space and it's too crowded, but you have two guys with similar skills, similar bodies, trying to do the same things where the way the positions are lined up, you're supposed to have some variation up front. I understand that like they even did a lot more like this last year than we're giving him credit for. 2020 is going to be a lot like 2021, except that Mesador will be where Darius Stills was, but they were complementary players last year. One rolled in for the other. They weren't on the field a whole lot together last year. Now they're playing side by side in the middle of the defensive line. I don't, I don't think it'll be that, that bad. Cause I think, okay. again, I, I feel like Mesador's and, and we won't know until we see it. But I feel like Mesador's quote-unquote move is more to just kind of be like Darius Stills was. And so it worked just fine last year, and I think it'll work just fine this year. Back to my analogy, I've endorsed this more than I endorsed Culver Sheboy. And I was the guy that said, put your best five out there and make it work. I'm not sure that was a great idea now. Um, but I think that you can make this work on the defensive line where it's not you're not putting a defensive end in nose or defensive tackle, right? You're putting a guy who's as big – and more nimble in a spot right. where he can use those assets to his advantage. I think it can work, but I just I just wonder how great he can be, how good he can be based on our history of these things, where when has a guy done that two years in a row to start when the other teams are looking out for him and trying to take him away? Because he, he benefited a lot from having Dante and Darius out there last year. Well, now he's one of those two, so the attention will be on him. Now, does that mean Jeff Pooler or Taj Austin or Jalen Thornton gets healthy and does some good work? Well, that would be okay, too. And if, and if Mesador is complicit there and, and his activity and the attention given to him liberates others, then I think it's still a success. Agreed. Um, let's see. I'm trying to look into the other positions. I mean, linebacker. Are, are we going to get Deville Washington right off the bat? Like well, out of, I mean, well, I don't know if there's a choice, right? Well, low scrimmage Saturday. So he's back. Oh, he's back. Okay. Uh, Jaido is out with a knee injury. Haven't heard great things about that. Maybe we'll get some sort of an update. Um, but that's it right now. Will I mean they're going to roll some of the Drew Joseph, Jax McCauley in there? But those are I'm not I'm not denigrating. They're, they're walk-ons who are supposed to be replaced by somebody who's coming in. That could be Lance Dixon. It could be Lance Dixon and somebody else. But they also brought Devil Washington in there, and he was a receiver, and he's above them. So um, I, I think that'll be that'll be interesting to see what they do. And of course, Bandit Bandit's been a two-year um, head scratcher. Snake bit by inexperience and injuries, and you've had Cowan for, I think, what, six games in two years, and Bartlett was a redshirt who was too young two years ago and was better last year. But those are guys who are better as probably like A-gap, A B-gap blitzers, 
whereas yeah. the bandit is kind of like a C-gap spot sometimes. You want to go outside. So, you know, they have that they have that bandit presence, that bandit depth even, that can play more off the ball and in the middle, in the box. What can they do about getting that, that wrecking ball around the corner? Is it Eddie Watkins? Are they going to wait on Ja'Cory Hammett? Um, and that's really it. So they, they, they kind of have to find a way to get pressure. Listen, one, one reason that they can solve a lot of their supposed deficiencies or slack on defense this year is if they get pass rush. They didn't get great pass rush last year. And if they if their defensive line is better, that helps. But that bandit would be a big part of that too. So I don't know how much we'll see, how much they blitz. Can they get the quarterback on the ground? Unlikely. But you'd feel a whole lot better if, if 8 and 50 were just streaking in the backfield, I would think. Something else that I'm looking at that's not really limited to one position or one side of the ball, but I want to see I, I want to see these freshmen. Now, all right. A lot of these freshmen, the guys that Justin rolled in January, uh, you know, hey, who know like guys these guys are 17, 18 years old, maybe 19. Like a lot of them are not just not going to be ready just yet, but I feel like every class there are a couple freshmen that come in and you can just tell kind of right away that that they belong. Now, is it uh, they're going to come right in and start? No, nah, I don't know about that. But guys that come in and you can tell that they belong, that their bodies are ready, that their minds are ready, and they're out there. And and the, the moment and the stage, and I mean, again, it's not a big 12-night game on ESPN, but it's a spring game with some fans around with it on a streaming service. Are they big enough to handle this? Are they strong enough is their bodies ready are their minds ready to kind of battle with these 20 21 22 year old men that have been in the program for a couple years and i can't wait to see which of these i think there's eight early enrollees not counting nestor um which of those guys are ready kind of just show that they have that just a little spark just a little glimmer of hey i'm here i'm ready i can compete here um anybody you think out of that eight that might be might fit that mold mike should we roll up our sleeves here <laughs> oh no go for it i'm i'm in i'm in on this because I've, I've been out there a few times and i've watched it and listen your eyes are gonna move toward the people you haven't seen before uh, i will tell you that it was a it was just a small sample but i wrote about it because i noticed that i noticed and i noticed that other people did the same thing which was look down at their roster which is that, that prototypical practice. Who the heck is that? Um, Andrew Wilson-Lamp caught a punt and disappeared. I'm not saying he's going to be your punt returner or a kickoff returner, but he has some juice. Um, that's what, a 6'3", 180 guy who's playing corner now. I'm not sure he'll be a safety or a corner in the future, but there's something there, and there's certainly a chance for him to play corner this year. Um, I'm a little bit burned by the Daryl Porter experience last year where I think that maybe it's not – time for a true freshman to be out there especially a guy who he was more regarded as a receiver in high school right played defensive back but i think a lot of people thought that he could be an either or but his his fame so to speak came from playing receiver right yeah okay so that's one to watch there too mallinger seemed like he has everybody's respect already as a safety and that's another guy they had catching punts and kickoffs and that's a safety which is unusual you think about defensive players catching punts and kickoffs it's typically a corner safety would be kind of a different cat to do that 
Um, but he has that agility, and it sounds like he's going to play because he is here. So defensive backfield, there is something to watch there. I think they can do that. Offense, everybody's going to talk about Caden Prather. He's, by the accounts that I've heard and been texted and dm to me, he might be their best outside receiver right now. Um, when you have Winston Wright, that's going to probably preclude you from him being the best receiver because Wright's had a great camp, it sounds like. Um, but Prather has been, you know, I think he's 6'4", 2'10", already, and he runs. And that's not a great position of depth for them. Wide receiver, difference maker, take the top off. But the ones I think are probably most interesting to me, and one on offense, one on defense, Edward Vesterinen looks the part. He just looks the part. And as you've been over, too, he's old, mm-hmm. right? He's got to play, you would think. He's here to play. Um, he can do it physically. I don't think there's a problem. Can he do it football-wise? We'll see. Um Eddie V, he already has a nickname, Chris. <laughs> yeah, Eddie V could possibly help this year, too. And then I think your third tight end really could be Wickstrom. Um, I watched him put a, a linebacker in the turf on practice Saturday like it was no big deal. And the response was such that it probably happens a bunch. Like, uh-oh, Wickstrom planted a guy again. Um, they really like Olakon. They really like TJ Banks. If they're going to play two tight ends, they need three. Uh, Charlie Finley hasn't practiced yet. He's got a back injury. Traylon Davis, I think, has a great future in that that role of a a blocking H-back tight end kind of guy who maybe develops receiver skills. But Wickstrom just looks apart right now. Physically, he's there. We've been over that. You know, running 4-4 is a camp. Is he a linebacker? Is he a defensive end? Is he a tight end? Sure, just get him on campus and figure it out. They figured it out. He's a tight end, and I think he can help. I'm with you on the Eddie V one. I think those are the kind of guys that – because that this was you you want to talk about what did I say earlier a dice roll a gamble this is one this coaching staff never saw him ever never saw him in person never saw his film nothing um, for those who forgot he was supposed to, he he's from Finland and in Finland you are required to all men are required to join the army I believe it's for two years or a year and a half after high school mm-hmm. before you move on to college or a job or whatever you're planning on doing. Uh, kind of mandatory military service. And he got a waiver to get out early. And then Brandon Collier from PPI Recruits, the same program that provided Wickstrom and Jairo and a couple other guys that that all came camping at West Virginia, uh, called up Neil Brown. This is a UMass connection because uh, Collier played at UMass, called him Neil Brown, said, you got to get this guy. He's ready. Do it. Just roll the dice. And they rolled the dice on him, sight unseen, just off of some testing numbers and some film that, that Collier had sent and then a trust in Collier and his understanding of, of uh, talent. And again, Collier, former college player, former NFL player, NFL Europe player. So he knows talent, but they rolled the dice on this one. Um, and you don't roll the dice on a six foot four, 240 pound man that's already gone through, you know, military training uh, and understands that. And that does mean something when you go through military training, not because, you know, it's going to make you a good person or whatever, but it, you understand routine, you understand discipline, you understand, you know, listening to your coaches, listening to your superiors and, and following orders. And I think that helps because that's part of the problem or that's part of the transition, not the problem, but part of the transition when these new guys get to college is learning this routine, learning to do all this stuff, learning to listen to people uh, who are, you know, your superiors and doing all these things that you have to do, he kind of already had to do that. I mean, obviously, college going to college in America is going to be different than going to the military in Finland, but you're learning that routine. You're learning how to handle that kind of stuff. So I think that helped him a little bit. 
And again, he's just a grown man out there. And I think he might be somebody who could contribute. I think in, in most other years, I would already pencil him in to be part of the defensive line rotation. Um, they've got a few guys this year, of course, on defensive line. So it might not be that easy, but certainly someone to watch. Twitter.com slash V-E-S Edward. And then click on the media tab and watch his workout videos. You will be singing Chris Anderson's song. Yep. Do he's, it. He's good. Like he's he's a specimen. And again, that's what you need to play. Like there's there's debate kind of true freshman play, defensive line. I don't think you can put him in that category like, for all the reasons you explained and the, and the stuff that he is just physically able to do. I think he can really help there too. Uh let's wrap it up on this. Your your whispers, your dark corners of the cocktail party that you are prone to visit. Um people, things, positive or negative you're hearing about and that off the radar we should still keep an eye on oh man you really hey one i don't think they drink uh diet sprite and bourbon in the the dark corners of uh the places i inhabit so uh i am very 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 interested in what have what what we get to see at safety because I get the impression that Sean Mahone's probably done for the spring. I th- like I don't think it's that serious, but I think it's just one of those where it's like, hey, all right, he's a senior, you know, he knows what he's doing. He's been here a while. He doesn't need to go back out there um, after doing whatever it was he did in practice earlier this earlier this spring. So I think you're going to see some more of Kerry Martin, and that is where I know that's you know a lightning rod kind of topic of discussion amongst fans. Um, but he came back and listen to some of the things that the coaching staff has said. And then, you know, you, you try to piece it together with what we hear outside of what's officially said. Um, he's bigger. Uh, I don't think, you know, when you look at his pictures from his freshman years, you see this, this kid that a lot of people thought would be maybe a cornerback, you know, he's a cornerback slash safety and they moved him to safety kind of right away. But he was more of a free safety, and now he's he's bigger, stronger, bulkier. He's got some some man mass on him. Uh, done a lot of workouts, so I'm curious where he fits, how he fits. Uh, Dante Wright mentioned this speed package, where it sounds like they have a ton of defensive backs rather than linebackers out there, almost like a uh, like a like that three one seven they ran a, a couple times two years ago mm-hmm. when Vic was still around. Um, I'm curious how he fits in there and what, cause something else Wright said, and maybe this is another reason Dante Wright might get, uh, you know, zapped from, from Neil Brown for talking too much when he meets with the media, but he talked about Scotty Young also playing places other than Spear, uh, which I raise, I know they do some cross training with safety spots, but remember Spear usually practices with the cornerbacks. So if Scotty Young is getting some work in with like, the safeties, a completely different kind of position group, it raises an eyebrow to me. So I'm very curious to see what exactly is going on at safety, a, a position that we kind of thought was, you know, kind of, you know, locked in. Like here, here are here are your starters, and figure out the backups later. And and maybe there's a little more going on there than 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 meets the eye. I'm glad you said this because I would not have thought about this. It wouldn't have been my answer, but you're onto something here. And this is stuff we won't see. But behind closed doors. 
they've done all this cross training and versatility for a purpose. And that's so they can be more diverse on defense. They can do different things. They can match up better. Um, that three, one, seven thing. That was partly because of who they had available that game and who they yeah, could put out. No there. linebackers at all, <laughs> but also it worked. Yes. Right? They were able to like put a cone over top of what uh, I believe was Iowa state was trying to do. And they were competitive in that game and, and, and really played well. So uh, there's ways to do that now. And they have so many safeties and defensive backs that they do like. They're short on corners. I get that. But I think getting Woods in is important because before there was talk about Matthews playing like nickel or free or something like that. And I'm not saying that, that Matthews can't play corner. He's had a really good camp, it sounds like. And they missed him Saturday when he couldn't go. Um, you put Daryl Porter and, and Malachi Ruffin out there, and it looks different than apparently when Matthews is out there. So Matthews may be corner, too. We'll see what Woods does. That doesn't mean Woods can't play slot corner or some safety too. Don't forget. Like, so they can do these things. And what does that mean? Listen, if Scotty young can play really well against army, but he's been a safety his whole life. He's, he's really playing nickel back, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's like a, it's like an extra defensive back. There might be games where woods or Matthews or both of them are better in the lineup and you have three corners in the field. And maybe Scotty young is an extra defensive back or a safety for you because he can help in some other areas in the back end. There's ways to do that. They might be able to match up and never mind like third down, second 18 there's just different spots where you, you want to have an answer to what the offense either has to do or what the offense is doing to you I, we're not going to see that stuff but the speed packages their dime packages their swap packages whatever you want to call it i do think that those things are have been going on and that's why they've gotten a look at so many defensive backs and they've been pretty happy about it um the, the two whispers i hear that i want to look at um depth in the defensive line like, you, you know who your three or four are. So Pooler, Stills, Mesador, they're they're kind of like just kicking Taj Alston here. Like, come on, get going, get going, get going. Um, Sean Martin's got a chance. Jalen Thornton's been around. I don't know if they'll get another guy, but, like, Vesterinen's in, and we're talking all these great things about Vesterinen, but, man, should he be in? I don't know. Do they have depth in the defensive line? That's something to really watch out for. Do they? Because I think there's talk about maybe them getting to like even fronts, true even fronts, where you put Austin and Pooler on the end and Stills and Mestador as true D tackles. None of this, what is a nose? Is he a nose? It's an odd front. No, but if you go odd, you're going to have one guy in the middle. If you go even, you have two guys in the middle. It's a little bit easier on the blocking. Perhaps they're both better situated for that. Can you go even with bandits playing on their hand on the ground? It doesn't sound like the Cowan. And Bartlett can do that. And is Eddie Mathis ready? Maybe we'll see. Excuse me. Um, Eddie Mathis, Eddie Watkins ready? Maybe we'll see, but maybe not yet. Do they have five, six, seven bodies in that defensive line? Don't know about. Um, and then receiver. Hmm. I, I would, man, I would not be surprised if they pulled somebody in the transfer portal. Have you heard this at all? Like, I mean, from your targets and the conversations or whatever, but like they have, I mean, everybody wants one. I get that, but. I just don't know if they're they're thrilled at it yet or if they're in a position where they could say no to a receiver. They gave one away to linebacker. I'm not sure if Devil Washington was going to solve anything for them this year. Um, but I wonder, would they do that? Um, I, I, think, I just yeah. don't know. I think it's a real possibility. The problem is I think they have to find that true alpha dog receiver, and I don't know if it's in there because I know of at least one transfer at receiver, two actually, that – wanted to come to West Virginia and staff told him, no, no, thanks. Thanks, but no thanks. And again, that's it. Both of those guys were kind of, you know, fifth or sixth receivers at their previous spot and looking for a new start. And so it sounds like, Hey, 
we're not interested in another fifth or sixth receiver. We got a we got a handful of those. Uh, this staff seems to be targeting that number one receiver, and unfortunately, that that doesn't come around very often in the transfer portal. And the few that do get snatched up pretty quickly. So I uh-huh. think if a couple come out after the spring, you know, maybe there might be one or two that pop in there in May. You might see a quick pursuit of them if they're not happy with what's going on. Yeah. Um, and then Esdale sounds like he's been really good too. And he, he's outside now. It sounds like more often he can play all four positions, but like that's, that's the guy who's really interesting to me for reasons I've been over. For example, Chris, did you know he has played 217 snaps in his career? You probably didn't know that, but that's true. Mm-hmm. He has run blocked 11 times. I like it. That, that's the kind of receiver I want to play. <laughs> if you're a corner, <laughs> sure. Yeah. If, no, no, no. If I, if I were a receiver, that's the that's the role I want. <laughs> just just go out there and run routes. No don't worry about blocking. Just when we put you in, you're running routes. Period. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of stuff about. I mean, people have watched him and been like, why doesn't that guy play more? He catches everything. He's never dropped a pass here. I get that. He's four for five on contested catches, and his teammates, um, to be nice, are not that good. But he hasn't played a whole lot, maybe because he can't run block. But also Neil Brown says that you know he hasn't been healthy at the start of the year. He's had a really good spring. He's had more practices in a row than he's ever had before. But can he go from you know? just a guy to one of the guys. I don't know. We'll see. And and where does he fit in your four? It's him and Wheaton on the outside, James and Wright on the inside. You got something there. And then you come in Sean Ryan, who was productive at the end of last season, Reese Smith, uh, Prather. Now you're talking seven or eight, and you got a chance there. But they, they really have to be effective and efficient because I'm not sure how much depth they have beyond there. Um It'll be very interesting to see how those receivers shake out in the game. One last question for you, Mike, before we wrap it up. Um, how upset are you going to be that we just spent all this time talking about all these things we're looking for, and then they run 10 plays for the first team, 10 plays for the second team, and then do some kicking drills for the spring game? Well, as long as there's kicking, I'll be all right. <laughs> a, a, a pure long snapping competition to end spring practice. Yeah. You're okay. in? I'll be okay with that. Uh, hey, listen, guys, I forgot to mention, too, though, I'm just thinking in my head because someone's going to put this in the comments, too. Uh, on the defensive line, if they go even or if they get some edge rush or they get better on the pressure, um, Linnell Carr evidently has done mm-hmm. well. Um, and then Torres Simmons is the guy they moved from bandit to end, I think, because they realized he could be a hand-on-the-ground guy. And uh, of late, Sam Brown at receiver has been good, too. Um, I think he might have had – I forget they said it was a thigh or a hamstring. They weren't sure, but – was out for a while, and that's why he hadn't heard much about him. But since he's been back and healthy, he's been good. In fact, he was with the twos in the Saturday scrimmage that we saw, and he was he was getting by people, and the ball wasn't finding him because they were working on different things. But you could tell, you could tell he he was normal, and, and he's going to be a part of this too. I'm surprised he wasn't used more often last year, but evidently there are some practice habits with him that he had to shake out. Um, the fact that he's on the field and doing things and getting some some fair reviews despite being gone for an injury. Uh, I don't want to forget that because I think that's a guy that a lot of people are, are hinging their talent on again, too. And again, that's that gives you, again, seven, eight bodies um, where something can go wrong. And you still have some answers there, too. I like it. I like it. I, th- I think I'm still holding on to my Sam Brown stock because I'm with you. I think the oh. talent is just too much to to overlook at this point. And, and especially with the issues that the receivers have had. I've, I've, I've been early investor. The IPO was, you know. 8 a.m. up at my house, ready to press send on on the Robin Hood app, and we we're all good. I've, I've liked that guy since I think you pointed him out to me too that he had a chance to be good. And hey, now's the time. There's there's really not a whole lot in front of you if you're a receiver. There are there are guys. 
I think from one to eight, there's not a huge difference that, yeah. that you can't you can't make a move. So we'll see. That mm-hmm. should be good. Uh, and then of course we'll uh, we'll be back on. I don't know. Maybe we'll do a post game, whatever. But to talk about like MVP Austin Brinkman. Or, uh, for hey, him. I really liked him. We saw him at camp two years ago. He was a good looking tight end that, uh, all of a sudden, as we were breaking from the, uh, um, like the testing part of the camp and we were going over to the up to the practice field for the position groups, and all of a sudden he gets pulled to the side and just starts long snapping in front of the coaching staff. I was, I was about to run and grab you real quick, but he looked pretty good over there. I was in the stands with my binoculars. <laughs> Also, keep an eye on Sean C. Just because he's 6'10 and 350 pounds. Massive, man. We saw him at camp, too. Just yeah, a massive be, dude. Should be. Uh, I don't know where you put him, whatever. He's got to be on the field goal block team or the PAT block team or something like that. But uh, that's a guy that you see walking. You're like, oh, my goodness, who's that? And then you're like, oh, well, that must be Sean C. Because there's not many 6'10, 370-pound guys out there, too. So right. uh, he'd be off the bus, if not first, and certainly well, among the first group for me. Well, we will uh, be there Saturday. Actually, I'll just be there. One person allowed per media, Chris. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. I, 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 you're going to see plenty of me. I hope they don't limit uh, our one per media for, for summer camps because uh, I might have to hand that off to you too then if that's the case. No. no I'll be there about... plenty, plenty, plenty in June. That's official now, huh? Yeah. They got, they've released the date. They not just released the dates, but released the times and – Sounds like it's all systems go. I'm at, again, I imagine there'll be limitations on there won't be 200 kids there each day, but uh, it, it it's a go. I'm not going to say anything about recruiting. <laughs> all right, fine. I won't e- fine. I won't either. I don't know. Just like I'm just they're, they're doing a fine job. Everything is fine. Fine. Legal by the law. <laughs> it's good. Until next time, uh, sometime after the spring game, uh, we'll we'll catch up. We'll figure out what we saw, what we liked, what we learned, and what we still have to figure out about West Virginia. As it enters the 21 season, I am Mike Kazaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. Talk to you next time.